laughing. I can't Mom. help it. Okay. Shh, be professional. Go on. This is serious. Hello and welcome to Smart Casual, a podcast where generation gaps and pop culture overlaps. Hosted by me, Charlotte, full-time stay-at-home daughter and corporate law dropout, and my mum, Lexi, a pop culture expert and inspiration, allegedly, behind Matilda's Miss Honey. How are you today, mum? Are you excited? So excited. I really am. That's good. Forcing you to spend more time with me than usual. No. Structured fun time. Could we spend any more time together than we do? Yeah, no, we're probably going to be one of the, on one of those weird reality shows where it's like mother daughter, um, yeah, weirdos that have no other friends. I'm thinking, uh, excuse me, I've got a lot of friends. Yes, so um, do I. But... I'm thinking Grey Gardens, more like. I'm thinking, except I would never let my house deteriorate no. like that. So it's never. You... It'd be like Grey Gardens. No, you're hyper organised. You're too much of a Virgo for that. Too much of a Virgo, and I disagree with the Grey Gardens. I think. I think it's more of a Kath and Kim situation, really. Mm, possibly, yeah. yes. Uh, also, this Australian Nice, special. Nice. Do you have any recommendations for the week? I do. I have been thrilled to find I'm always looking for a new podcast because I like to have my podcasts on while I'm pottering around the house or walking yeah. or doing anything. And uh, I am loving Wiser Than Me, which is the new podcast by Julia Louise Dreyfus. Yeah, Julia Louis Dreyfus, yeah, uh, from Seinfeld. Yeah, Elaine from Seinfeld and Veep and, Veep and just all-round incredible, amazing, amazing woman. And she basically, the premise of it is she interviews women that are probably just a little older than her or maybe mm. a lot older. So far she's had on... Um, Fran Leibowitz yeah. and oh Jane Fonda who's oh, an icon so interesting and wasn't it Isabella Lunde you Isabella Lunde the that was her the first author, one the yeah. author and one thing you and I love about mm. will love agree about this is that she finishes every episode by calling her mum <laughs> and telling her mum about who she's just spoken to and it's so natural and yeah. just shows their great love for each other and yeah, I love it. I really need to listen to that. I you do. love that idea. Of, you do. Especially, of, like, highlighting the wisdom from older women. Yes. I mean, that's part of the reason we did yeah. this. You've got a lot to impart on. Well, I, I think one thing it shows, and I'm getting there as yeah. I head 60, is you give zero, and we're not going to swear in this podcast. Okay. That's a rule we haven't talked about, but we're not going okay. to. Yeah. Um, <laughs> sorry, but it's not suitable. So, yeah, she you give zero Fs and the older they get, like Jane Fonda's in her 80s, she really gives zero Fs. Fran Leibowitz. Fran Leibowitz, I don't think ever Evan, has. Yeah. Yeah, so I also, that's my recommendation. Listen up. Okay, so my recommendation for the week is the Vanity Fair cover story about Rupert Murdoch and the succession of Fox and his company. It is so interesting. It's such a good deep dive. One thing that I... Obviously, there's a lot of cultural and political importance about Rupert Murdoch. Um, but I was more interested in the stories of how insanely he treats people in his family, particularly Jerry Hall. So really? he broke up with her. He ended the marriage over email. And she had 30 Mm, days to get... That's one better than your father. Yeah, and she had 30 days to get out of the house. 
And as she was packing, she had a security guard watching over her and she had to have receipts to prove that everything was hers. And when she moved out, she realized that the security cameras in her new house were still sending footage back to Fox and Rupert. So good old Mick Jagger's people came in and protected her, like sorted it all out for her. Yeah. But he's absolutely insane. And one of the conditions of their divorce was that she couldn't give the succession writers any information or any storylines. Yeah. Shall we get into today's episode? What are we talking about, Mum? We're talking about boy bands. Yes. And being a fangirl and a fan of boy bands, you were a fan, you were a teenage girl in the 1970s. Yes. And I was a teenage fan in the 2010s. So let's talk about it. Do you want to tell us what little teenage Lexi was doing and who she was fawning over? Well, little teenage Lexi started as a preteen in year six, which would have been like 1974. Yeah. And I discovered the Bay City Rollers and I was a complete Bay City Roller nut job. And can you tell people who the Bay City Rollers are that might not have heard of them? Give us some background. So the Bay City Rollers were boys from Scotland and they were started by two brothers, Alan Longmuir and Derek Longmuir, and they were joined by um, Eric Faulkner and Les McEwen or McEwen. Yeah. I can't remember how you say it. Probably McEwen. McEwen. And uh, Les was the lead singer. Eric and Alan were guitarists and Derek was on the drums. I can still remember the way he drummed. Isn't that weird? He had this really little weird thing he used to do with his jaw. He clicked his jaw. Oh, jeez. Anyway, uh, I think the two brothers started the band and then their... uh, their manager Tam Payton came along. To... So Tam Payton was their manager. He took them over and I think he was really clever because he got them dressing in this little uniform and basically it was uh, pants that were cut off like mid-calf. Yeah, they were like flared, weren't they? Very flared pants, cut off mid-calf and a basic button-up shirt and they were each lined like, they had like a band down the side of the leg and around the bottom of the hem and down the shoulders and around the cuff of tartan. And each boy had a different colour tartan that he wore. So, and gym boots. We called them gym boots. They're basically converse. So that was something every young girl could access, buy. The, by we, the fabric, yeah, yeah. And we all got our mothers to sew on the tartan of our favourite of our favourite member. So then you identified as I'm an Allen lover, I'm, and you had the tartan scarf with their name on it. So, so who were you? I was Alan. Okay, what did he was he the singer? Or he, the... No, he was a guitarist. I okay. I don't know why I went for Alan, but um you had to basically share with your friends. So <laughs> you couldn't if your best friend loved Eric or yeah. Les, then you couldn't have them. So maybe I got in late with Alan because he's a bit of a dud, to be honest. He didn't do much. He was um, the Ringo? <laughs> a little bit, although Derek, his brother, was a bit of a Ringo. Eric and Les and Woody, Stuart Woody Wood, 
everyone loved Stuart too. So I think Stuart, Eric and Les were the stars of the show. Right. Um, and the two brothers who really started it were not. So Tam was very, very clever getting him to wear, them to wear this little uniform because it, it became like a little army. Yeah, and, a badge of honour and identity. Yeah. And you and it started Rollermania. You, you wore your roller strollers and everyone could identify you. A bit like the Harry Styles girls recently wearing all their feather boas and yeah, totally. you become a tribe. That's that's who you are. You Something dress to like bond them. Over. Absolutely. They were absolutely huge. They had their own TV show. It was broadcast every Saturday afternoon and you wouldn't miss it for the world. Um Luckily, I didn't have a dad that watched sport on TV because all the girls that had that would come to my house. Yeah. And was it all... a scripted show or it... reality? Like No, no. It was basically them singing and I think they did a few, like, jokes and Skip. you got to hear them speak, which was such a big deal. I mean, this is the time where all we had of them were the weekly teen magazines. Yeah. Which we'd all, like, rush out and buy the morning they were released. And... You'd see them on Countdown once a week, Sounds, which was the Saturday morning TV show, and Shangalang, which was their Saturday afternoon TV show. So uh, you were starved for, for that content. little bit. So to hear them actually speak, we used to get our tape recorders and record them, then play it back. and So you know, could really listen cool. to them go yeah. while you're going to sleep. Well, you know, you'd listen to them pretend they were talking to yeah. you like... It was ridiculous, but yes. So back to Shangalang, that's the name of a, their show, but it was also one wow. of their biggest hits, right? Yes, biggest hits, Shangalang, and Bye Bye Baby was huge, Give a Little Love, Saturday Night, which was the song that broke them in the US, finally. Yeah, so they performed that on SNL. SNL, yeah. So I think just also a little fact for my generation who may not be familiar with the Bay City Rollers, Gen Z, Millennials, is that Bye Bye Baby by the Bay City Rollers, it's their cover of a Four Seasons Frankie Valli song and it was played in the funeral scene in Love Actually to the slideshow of Liam Neeson's late wife. Um, So that might be where you might have heard some of their Mm. music before. Yeah, it's quite interesting, though. They didn't have big US success. They had big success, obviously, in the UK, where they were from Australia and quite randomly Japan. Japan. Yes. What do you think? Like, why weren't they big in the US? I think in those days it was really hard to crack the US market, the US being so huge. You've got to think, remember ABBA? Yeah. ABBA was enormous here, um, but... Not a thing in America. The US, the US was sort of its own little world as it is now to some yeah. extent, but you, you couldn't infiltrate via social media or the internet. So for them to get on American TV or to get American DJs at those time to yeah. play them was a big, big challenge. And there was a, a whole other, like the other stuff I was listening to at the same time that was mm. huge were like the Eagles, the Doobie Brothers, which right. was real California. And, and that was not, not the, the Bay City, City Rollers, Rollers. So, the bubblegum pop. Yeah. yeah. So for them to break it big there was a big ask. Yeah. I think you, I guess, also forget it's not like you could just send a song 
on TikTok or Instagram no. to your friend that lived in America. No. There was – it had to be kind of through big promotional channels. Well, even for us, I can remember because we, we were so obsessed with them and would follow the English magazines, their records would be released there sometimes and they'd look a little bit different to the Australian version. Right. So we used to go to record – specialty record stores in the city and order the international version of their records. So we had like every version of, and there would have been different ones in Japan too, I'm sure, but we didn't go that far. The anticipation of it was just amazing. Like nothing was at your fingertips. You had to wait for their songs to come on the radio and you had to wait and hope they were on charting so you could see them on countdown and Shangalang was I think another brilliant thing that Tam Payton did because he was flooding the market yeah now, so we could greedily consume it now can you tell me a little bit more about Tam Payton their manager because I think there's a bit of a darker side to the band well, related there, to him there absolutely is Tam Payton was charged later on with abusing boys and I guess he had access to them with... Yeah, and he also abused the actual, some of the actual band members as so, well. Is that correct? The, the only thing I read, and I only read it recently, was mm. that Les, the lead singer, was abused during the time of being a member of Bay City Rollers while he was under the influence from some sort of drug. Yeah, they and gave him, I read, he was given quaaludes. Yeah, um, and it assaulted yeah, And he never got over it. So he spiralled out of control. And really that was a big reason they broke up. Mm. He left and no doubt because he was mentally suffering, the band dissolved. So, And from what you were telling me as well, they didn't make any money from this despite being no. the literally the biggest band in, of a two-year period from 74 to 75? I think they've, you've probably got the facts and figures, but they still hold the record as the, the biggest selling artists of, or boy band. Yes. So I had a look just to compare their sales figures to One Direction, and they are estimated, it's a conservative estimate, that they have sold 120 million records, which was in the two year period that they were active. One Direction has sold about 80 million worldwide. Those are both worldwide figures. And they were active for about five years. But I think it is like quite an astonishing fact for a band that hasn't, I guess, maybe this is harsh and you could disagree with me, but they haven't had like the cultural legacy of the Beatles, but they were the boy band of the 70s. And the fact that they it were around for only two years and hold that record, they were clearly, they were it was huge. such a phenomenon. Like I don't think we can understand it. I, I don't disagree with you in that their music has, it doesn't have the legacy of the Beatles or of ABBA. They didn't really go on to have big, solo careers. Yeah. No. I think they attempted. I think Les did. He went on to... He, um, he went to Japan. He went to Japan, which was really odd, and he married there. And 
you have to tell us this story has been immortalised in my mind. Mm. So when the Bay City Rollers toured Australia. What year was this? Uh, I think it was 75. I would have been in year seven. They stayed at the Boulevard Hotel, which I've showed you many a time, the location. Yeah, it's in Woolloomooloo on William Street, right? Yeah, it's in William Street. So not the best part of town, particularly in those days, proximity to the cross. (laughs) (laughs) So I don't know how I swung it. I probably lied to Grandma. And um, we decided we were going to camp out for the entire time that the Bay City Rollers were staying at the Boulevard. (laughs) I think they were in Sydney two nights and we slept outside the hotel both nights and went to the concert at the Horden Pavilion. Who was with you? An adult? No. I was with um, my bestie, Leah, Leah Crockett. Hello if you're out there. Uh, (laughs) This isn't Howard Stern. We did get within a couple of metres of the band as they got into their car and they waved at us. Did you not get, like, moved along by security or anything? No, we were sleeping in the alley at the back of the hotel. It had, like, a driveway that ran from William Street through to the back Mm. and we just slept in the alley. And no one passed by and said, are you girls okay, you little 13-year-old? We were all in our roller strollers and... Did you have posters? God, yes, and our, you know, our little scarves that had... Alan, Leah loved Eric. Uh, yeah, slept there and then went to the concert and, yeah, we were all separated. It was like a mosh pit in there, all these screaming course, yeah. girls. and but It was one of the best nights of my life. <laughs> I loved it. That is just insanity to me. I know. I had no the, fear. Well, the fact no that fear. you were 13 and Grandma let you sleep alone basically in the middle I of the city. I wonder if Grandma knew or if I lied and said I'd been at Leah's. There was a lot of that. Surely. Okay, now time for what we're a bit more familiar with, discussing One Direction, the boy band that all individually auditioned for the UK X Factor in 2010 and they didn't make it past the boot camp stage as solo artists, but then the judges had the idea to form a group and that's how One Direction was born. Again, a manufactured band. But over the next few years, the band became a global sensation that broke records and amassed an incredible fan base. As most of us will know, One Direction consisted of Niall Horan, Zayn Malik, Liam Payne, Harry Styles and Louis Tomlinson. So their debut single was What Makes You Beautiful, which was released in 2011, and it quickly became a hit, topping the charts in several countries. And their first album, Up All Night, was released later that year and also became a huge commercial success. In the following years, One Direction released four more albums, which were Take Me Home, Midnight Memories 4, and finally Made in the AM. So One Direction's music was known for its catchy pop hooks and upbeat, positive lyrics. The band members were quickly named heartthrobs, with their boyish good looks and charming personalities winning over fans around the world. They also made headlines for their close friendships with each other and their fun and playful interactions with fans. Although the Bay City Rollers, as we know, outsold still One Direction in terms of record sales, their impact on the music industry was huge. They became the first band in history to have their first four albums debut at number one on the US Billboard 200 chart. So they definitely cracked the US market, as we know. 
And yeah, they sold over about 80 million records worldwide. They also won heaps of awards, several MTV Music Awards and four Brit Awards. Zayn left the band and shortly thereafter, after five years together, One Direction announced they would be taking a hiatus to pursue their individual projects. They never officially announced the breakup, but as we know, there has been no reunion of sorts and uh, at some and all members have gone on to pursue solo careers with varying degrees of success. Despite their relatively short time together, One Direction's legacy lives on. They are still very beloved by their fans who are now mainly grown up and in their 20s and 30s. Harry's obviously hugely successful still. What is it about Harry, do you think, in your opinion, that has given him the longevity that and I am an ignoramus about One Direction. I only know about Liam because he was married to Cheryl, and I only know about Zayn because he was married to Gigi. So they weren't married. They well, had a baby. They had a baby. What is it about Harry that has provided him with longevity and success above the others? I think he and Niall, in my opinion, and fierce one Direction fans may disagree and I'm sure. Yeah, but in my view, I think Harry and Niall were always the two most charismatic of the two. And I would say after Harry, Niall has the most successful career as well, still. Not to the same level as Harry, but is still putting out music regularly, working with artists, having he's having yeah. ch- hits that are charting internationally. So I think of the five boys those two were always the most charismatic. I think Harry, he right. was always pretty much the favourite. He has been really clever in his marketing and promotion. He's from the get-go when he's gone on to his solo career. He's had a very unique image. He's been very interested and playful with his fashion, wearing a lot of you know, stuff that's a bit androgynous. I think his style, in my view, kind of lifts a lot of stuff from, say, Bowie and Mick Jagger in the 70s. The glam rockers. The glam rock. And that's kind of missing in male pop stars. But I think Harry has such an infectious, charismatic personality that I I think you've also got to imagine behind the scenes as well. Yes. What we don't see. People that get far in the music industry are also the ones that people like to work with. Of course, yeah. And the fact is he spent some of – he spent a long period of time, I think it was during one of the lockdowns, at Joni Mitchell's house writing and recording music. Mm. So he, I think, has earned the respect and – friendship of a lot of the best musicians that are still living. Uh, Tell me what happened with Zayn. I've heard about his tussle with Yolanda. Yeah, quite bizarre. I think Zayn always had the reputation, even when he was in the band, for being kind of like the quiet, mysterious, moody one. Mm. That was his appeal. And he was the first to go solo. He left the band when and they remained together for a bit after. And he had, you know, a few good hits, was releasing good music. But I think the 
he just did not like the attention. He did not like the spotlight. And I think he really kind of resented that. So I think he kind of went off into his own world. Um, And as we know, he was with Gigi for several years. They have a daughter, Kai, together. And there was obviously a disagreement. We don't really know the facts where he allegedly slapped Yolanda. Yolanda being Gigi's mother, formerly Real Housewife of Beverly Hills, formerly Mrs. David Foster. Formerly Mrs. Mrs. Mohammed Hadid. Although formerly a big supermodel of the 80s 80s. in her own right. Mm. A problematic figure, but apparently they're... You know, the kind of tabloids and the blind items were talking about how Gigi and Zane really wanted to keep uh, Kai, Kai private. private and mm. her face and everything. And I think there might have been something about, like, Yolanda taking a photo or... Okay. So it was probably to do with that. Obviously, domestic violence never, never can condone, but... He the... obviously has had some mental health I issues think so. along the way and... Yeah. We, that, we really don't know. No. That, that kind of success is not for everybody. And that's probably another reason Harry has done well because he can cope with it. He spoke in an interview after One Direction broke up and before he released anything. Mm. He was interviewed by Paul McCartney for an, Another Man magazine and he kind of spoke about when everything gets too much, he just goes home to Cheshire Yeah, and everyone knows who he is and... He's got his friends from high school mm. and they all knew him before and know how he Goes really back is. To who he is, yeah. That's great. And I also think part of his appeal is he hasn't seemingly lost that... Every man. Yeah, that working class northerner mm. character to him that people find very relatable. So I think it's the fact he's created this style and image for himself, like the Bay City Rollers did... He's created such a strong sense of style that his fans can then replicate it. And it's a style that controversially in conservative sectors has kind of crossed gender norms a bit. You know, he wore a dress on the cover of Vogue. He really is a a young man of his time. And Uh that's what he is doing really, really well. And it seems to be a very organic thing for him, not something... I mean, it could be... I could be a complete fool and it could be very carefully thought out, but... He he seems to be the man of his time. Yeah, and even his charisma comes across massively in concerts when he interacts with his fans and he has that sense of humour and personality that mm. you do need as well. Because, of course you do. I mean, like Frank Ocean at Coachella just then, you know, he's considered such an incredible music museum. He's considered such an incredible musician with a beautiful voice. But he hates performing and he clearly hated that Coachella mm. performance because he spent half of it singing off stage. Oh, darling. And, you know, he's had some traumas. His yes. brother's passed away in 2020. But I think there's a lot of people that are amazing artists, but they struggle. They're not performers. Yeah, they're not show men and women. Yeah. And Harry Styles is, is that. Yeah. Now, my memory of you is that you're way too sensible to be a crazy One Direction fan and 
In fact, I remember you doing a bit of an eye roll at school, uh, coming home from school saying, oh, all the girls were crying about One Direction breaking up. And I just thought to myself, who is this child of mine? She is, she's not me who performed a fake Bay City Roller wedding at McKellar Girls. I harboured my love of One Direction and Justin Bieber very close to my chest. I think when you were a young teenager, so I started year seven in 2011, which is when One Direction's first album came out. So I didn't really know them in year six when they were on the British X Factor. But you're so acutely sensitive of being judged or being thought Mm. of being silly and young and not being taken seriously. So I kind of secretly loved them. them. And same with Justin Bieber because Mm. I would have felt quite judged by adults and older siblings and you're just very insecure and self-conscious. I envied the girls at school that were just so free and confident in themselves that they were able to be so shamelessly in love and with One Direction. And girls used to have, you know, those like rubber wristbands. Like they used to, you used to get with charities. Yeah. They would have them in the different names and they would hide them under their watch because you weren't allowed bangles with your school uniforms, but they would wear ones in different colours for their different band members. Yeah, we tied the tartan around our wrists at school until someone told us to turn off and we had the, we would source or get our mothers to make us the tartan pencil case. (laughs) Yeah, I think I was, I was very meek as a teen, especially early on. I was very anxious and shy and being a mega fan of One Direction in the way that a lot of girls were was just a way that I didn't want that attention on me or commentary on something I liked. Yes, you wanted it to be private. That I knew, like, people would make mean comments about. Yeah. So I would, sure, listen to their music and watch their interviews and stuff, but I also kept it so secret. It wasn't even something I really engage with with girls my age like I didn't go to any of the concerts because I was just too embarrassed to ask and it's funny now being an adult and being like yeah let's crank what makes you beautiful up when it comes on the radio or put it all on my playlist not having the same anxiety and shame for who you are and what you like which I think so many young young yeah. teenagers go through It weighed so heavily on me and I wanted to join in, but I was so fearful of the judgment and the attention. Mm. And, you know, even like the girls that thought they were genuinely too cool for One Direction, you know, there was always a bit of that, you know, you didn't, I didn't want them to come for me, especially in year seven, your first year of high school. Absolutely. It was such a time. And then 2012, As well, you had the London Olympics, One Direction were huge and everyone was obsessed with everything British. Like it was such a, even the, there were British YouTubers were huge at that time. Really? Like kind of the TikTok creators of their Mm. day. And it was like Beatlemania, like Mm. again, um, this combination, everyone was so obsessed with British culture. Yes. And I think it was perfect timing for perfect them to timing rise. Perfect timing for them to rise as well. Mm. Yeah, it kind of all played into it. 
Yeah, it's it's so funny to look back on because, again, it's such a fleeting moment, but the intensity... Oh, yeah, that's the perfect word. It's such an intense time of your life and an intense experience. And that, I think that's true of the entire teenage girl experience is that you feel everything so intensely you feel the rejection from friends you feel the attention or lack of attention from boys or a girl the love interest and you feel that obsession hormones are raging yeah that crush feeling it's a safe way to explore those feelings a hundred percent and i think society has knocked around boy bands for not being serious musicians, you know, being PR machines for money-making for record companies, but they actually have such a significance for young people to express their emerging sexuality in a safe way. Absolutely. In in a very innocent way. They are like your first relationship with a, a male figure that's not a platonic or familial You'd hope bloody not familial. Well, of course not familial. Yeah, there's someone... It's your first relationship. There's someone out of your world and reality and they're your first crush and you can make them whoever you want them to be. And I think that also goes into... I, I'm sure there were other girls like me. You want to keep your relationship private. That's right. And you don't want to be criticised from changing your mind to which one you're in love with every five seconds, depending on their haircuts or if it's a good or a bad photo of them. Yes. Or their dance moves at a particular performance. Did One Direction do what Basie Rollers did and have no girlfriends? I think it was different because of social media and the internet in that yeah, it, would, couldn't... it would be so much harder to keep someone... Any, Secret. Anyone that you were with or... Mm. People would, we weren't, we weren't starved for content. We had the opposite. We had so much access to them. They would upload little YouTube videos. They had Twitter. They had Instagram. We would get every, you know, if someone recorded something on their phone. Paparazzi. There was paparazzi. We had so much content. It was almost too much because people would be so obsessed in these fan Mm. groups and cultures they would, flooded. they would unpick every little thing. And the people that they dated, whether it would be PR or not, for example, Harry and Taylor Swift's brief rendezvous, mm. they would then go after and troll and attack whoever they were seen with, whether or not they were friends, dating, whatever it may be. Mm. I think One Direction and their significance and their legacy is that they were the one, they were the boy band that came out alongside social media like instagram was released in i think 2011 Mm. so no nothing like that had been seen before there was no guidebook on how to behave poor kids they had a new level of fame and notoriety and lack of privacy compared to any other boy band before them i I don't even know if there was paparazzi around when the beatles were around that Sure. Yeah, they were yeah. photographers, but yeah. at the not, airport. Not in that same way, stalking and... Oh, God, no. The tabloid culture was a product, you know, of the really, like, 2000s, I think. Mm. The other thing that I don't think you would know about is the whole fanfic culture that One Direction... Fan what? Fanfic. 
short for fan fiction. Oh. Do you know what that is? People make up stories about. Yes. So they kind of emerged in the early to mid 2000s with emo bands on MySpace, Mm. but they kind of gained a new level of craziness with One Direction. Oh my God, I love this. Tell me. So fans would write full on short stories or even books, novels on One Direction and putting the band members together in gay romances. No. So the most popular, what they called ship, because they would like want to ship them in a relationship together is were Louis and Harry and so they were known as Larry mm-hmm. and so they would write romance stories about them together and then the fans would unpick everything every bit of footage and cut things together and had detective theories in, in insane detail about how they were definitely together, it was romantic and everything. So I knew girls at my school that used to hide their Kindles in their pencil cases and finish their work and they would read fanfics. They wouldn't read regular books. And these were like smutty. And I wonder if any of them have gone on to become real fiction authors. <laughs> no, I think so. It was genuinely wow. good training. You know that um, Fifty Shades of Grey? Yes. That was a fanfic of Twilight. Really? Yeah. It has made authors and very successful ones at that. Yeah. I think I was a bit scared by the sexual element of fanfics at that age because... You weren't ready to go all the way with One Direction. No, I just wanted Harry to be my first kiss. Well, you know, we did do fanfic without writing it down. Maybe we did write it down. We used to tell each other stories about um, like date nights with our husband, Derek, or, you know, and you'd tell them what you were wearing and where they'd take you to eat. And so you'd tell each other little stories about your imagined life together. Uh, but I don't think anyone ever wrote, like, to my knowledge, there was never a book out there about it or anything like that. It's so nice, though, that that's something that's cute is still part of the kind of being fangirl, teenage girl, boy band obsession. We're all the same in different eras, which is lovely. And I remember my sister, remember her saying to me, you know, I used to feel the way you feel about the Bay City Rollers, about Elvis. You'll get over it. And that's that's so offensive. It is so strong in my mind because I thought, Jean, you just don't understand. I really am going to marry Alan Romeo. I was that I know, I would have... He was in his 20s, I was 13. I think the thing about One Direction that was good was that they were teenagers when they started, so they weren't much older. Like, I was 12 in 2011, and Harry Styles would have been 16, 17. I think Woody was the only actual teenager in the basic world. Yeah, it made it a bit less creepy, I think, and a bit more realistic because they looked like... They were teenage boys, they looked like... It made it feasible in your imagination. I mean, honestly, it's so funny looking back, thinking they're going to like these bedraggled 13-year-olds that were sleeping in pimply, there, yeah. sleeping in the alley of the boulevard. <laughs> and also, like, in Australia, like, so far removed from the UK. Oh, goodness sake. In his interview with Rolling Stone right after he released his debut album, Harry was kind of questioned about if he pressed felt pressured to prove himself as a serious musician with an older crowd Mm. instead of relying on his 
teenage girl fan base and he very famously gave this quote which said who's to say that young girls who like pop music short for popular right have worse musical taste than a 30 year old hipster guy harry asserts that's not up to you to say music is something that's always changing there's no goalposts young girls like the beatles you're going to tell me they're not serious and then they then he went on to say rich I get, I really get the feeling that this was like PR prepared. He goes, how can you say young girls don't get it? They're our future, our future doctor, doctors, lawyers, mothers, presidents. They kind of keep the world going. Teenage girl fans, they don't lie. If they like you, they're there. They don't act too cool. They like you and they tell you, which is sick. Um, I don't know how much of that is really Harry's own words and how much of that is PR. Well, I don't know either, but I agree all the way, whether it comes from Harry's mind or someone else, I I always think if you don't listen to the young and the old, Mm. it's at your peril. If you think you've got all the answers to everything, and that's basically what he's saying there, if you disregard young young girls and, and everything they like, then more for you. Yeah, and I think that was a really clever way to start his solo career as well, to say, no, like, I still love my One Direction fans. Absolutely. I'm bringing them along with me. Yeah. Was a, I really admire him from that. And for saying that, because teenage girls and their obsessions are cultural tastemakers. I like to think he's not strategic and that he he's really... He's just the innocent boy yeah, from Cheshire. He's just the innocent boy who really does love his fans and... I think that comes across in his concerts and everything. I think it's so nice, you know, to wrap up, to think that, you know, despite our teenage experiences being 35 years apart. And very different. And very different. It's still something that is clearly such a core part of coming of age as a teenage girl. Absolutely. And and, and whether you did it, had, heed your love like you did <laughs> or wore it literally on your chest like I did it's still as relevant and as real to you as it was to me back in 1974 yeah it's such a happy positive thing to look back on and I just I guess I hope that as time progresses maybe if I have a daughter you know that that people are more willing to take boy bands however they may be, more seriously. Not so dismissive. Not so dismissive because, Mm. yes, even if the music lyrically, stylistically, that One Direction produced may not have been the most artistic whatever, it still gave Harry Styles, who is now kind of one of the biggest artists of this decade and his music is kind of at that next level. So teenage girls and the people that pick the marketers and teams that pick it for teenage girls know what they're doing because they're so obsessive. And as Harry said, if they don't like you, they'll drop you. The young are relevant and the elderly are relevant. We're all relevant. Are you calling yourself elderly? No, I'm not. (laughs) Um, But I'm relevant. (laughs) Yeah, okay. So I found this really nice quote as well that I'd like to read. So it was from a 2013 essay called Please Don't Go Girl in the famous former blog Rookie Mag. So the pop critic and former New Kids on the Block fangirl Julianne Escobedo Shepard summed up the essence of boy band fandom so well. She said, 
People don't understand the process of crushing on someone you haven't met and will never meet might look at this as weird or antisocial, possibly even stalkerish behavior, but those of us who have been there know better. It can be a very useful way to figure out how you feel about dating, love and sex before you even want to consider it in real life. Your fantasy relationship with Harry Styles is something you made up and you have all the control in this relationship. He's a mirage, a product of your own mind. You can make him whatever you want him to be. Oh. Don't you think that's so... I think it's very Hit apt. the nail on this head. Yep, very apt. All right, first episode done. First episode done, yes. Bit of a marathon. Bit of a marathon. We had fun. Thanks for listening to the first episode of Smart Casual. And if you want to join in the discussion, please follow us on TikTok and Instagram. The links will be in the show notes and tag us from where you listen to the podcast. Please also follow us on Apple, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts, we'll be there. Leave a review and please tell a friend or five. We are literally making this in mum's bedroom. We're independent. Yeah, feel free to also tell your friends' mums if your mum would like this. Your mum will like this, trust me. Okay. Bye, See you next time. Bye. Bye.